Up until the latter parts of the 20th century, in many places in Ireland, children who died before baptism were buried in unconsecrated burial grounds, often with no headstone or means to identify the grave. While officially many of these graves, called Killinis, don't exist, some towns and communities are now seeking to document and reclaim the Killinis in their local area. Brian O'Connell visited a number of Killini in recent days in opposite ends of the country, and Brian is with me now. First of all, Brian, do we know how many Killini there are in Ireland and when they began to appear? Um, I think the last figures I saw from the National Monuments um, show about 1,400, but I suspect, Pat, to be honest, there are far, far more. Um, We know that they date back, some of them, to 700 AD, uh, right up until the 1990s, the Milltown Cemetery in Belfast was being used. So it's been a practice of Irish life. It's a, you know, it was there in the pre-Christian era and it's been carried right away through. Uh, Part of the the, the notion was that uh, unbaptized, uh, maybe premature babies or whatever, um, they went to limbo. Yeah, they were called the so-called limbo babies. Um, but it wasn't just babies. You know, it has to be said that buried in these burial grounds as well, we know there are mothers who died, uh, unmarried mothers who died in childbirth were buried there. Uh, persons who took their own lives were buried there. Uh, people, maybe criminals, who they, they weren't, uh, didn't feel that they were appropriate to be buried in the consecrated ground. There are lots of reasons. Obviously, it was an economic yeah. factor as well, Pat, because they probably couldn't afford a headstone. And even unbaptised children who might uh, have been intended to be baptised but simply died before the ceremony, they had to be buried in a different way to baptise children. Yeah, and obviously the tragic thing was that, uh, as we'll hear uh, a little bit later on, is that a lot of the time the mothers weren't present at at these burials. They were carried out in very lonely parts of of Ireland and... Now, we're going to hear from Donegal first. Mm-hmm. You visited an island off the coast near Carrick Finn called Ilan Namarov, the island of the dead. Um, who did you meet there? Yeah, the first person we're going to hear from, Pat, is Seamus Peter Doyle. Now, Seamus, it's up near Dunlow. It's about 100 yards off the coast. Twice a day you can walk onto the island when the tide is out. Uh, and Seamus has been instrumental, really, in getting the area acknowledged and putting a cross on the site. So he brought me out to the island, Pat. So here we're just looking at a small uh, Celtic cross which has been That's erected right, yeah. on top of a stone. Yeah, that's right. That we hadn't erected that three years ago. And that was the first thing that was acknowledgement of the babies that has been buried here. When you walk through the ground here, you, you find the wee heights and hollows in it. And that's when you know that, there, that there's somebody there because it's not level. That's the way that the soil was dug up and then buried in it. And how many people are buried here? Well, the record shows there were 500 babies buried in it. And I don't know right there many sailors, but there's quite a few sailors too in it. And once you walk down, down there too, you can see... The oh, I can literally feel it there. It feels like wood or something. The, the waves with the, with the grass, the way it's grown on it. I mean, you can almost see the outline, can't you, you of little boxes? Yeah, aye, aye. So on the inscription of the, uh, of the monument here, it says, In memory of the stillborn babies, famine children and sailors buried here in Illinois of the Isle of the Dead up until the 1900s. Yes, we'll gather at the river, erected and dedicated in 2009 by the community. Some people don't want to know about it at all. They want just to forget about it more or less, you know, because... Do you think, I mean, here, there's obviously no way of knowing who's buried here? No, there's not, no, no. But you'll always hear some of the old... some of the older people say, well, I remember a baby of ours... Me, me aunt or me great aunt or something been been buried here, you know. You were saying a man remembered the burial of twins. Yeah, he, he, he remembered the man coming across through the fields and the twins with him in the spade and coming up onto the island and, and buried them here. There is one person, though, who knows 
of the identity of someone who is buried on yeah. Ilan Namarov. Yes, Kathleen Ann Hanlampat, and she has a relative buried on the island, and she's probably the only person, I think, who's managed to locate the grave and put a proper cross on the spot. So, Kathleen, just tell me, were you, did you always know that your grand-aunt was buried in the island out there? I did, from I was a wee girl. Who told you? My grandmother. She used to go up there when she was fit, and then later on in years, when she wasn't fit to go up, she would to the rock. And were you told why your grand-aunt was buried there? Oh, I, Oh, I was told the whole lot. Everything. What happened and the whole lot. Uh, her mother had a stillborn baby. And that time they couldn't be buried in consecrated ground, so they were taken down to the island. Post the island of the dead. And uh, buried there her fa- the baby's father and um, a man made the wee coffin from wood that came in with the sea and took the baby down. And then when she thought they were down, her own mother took her as far as the door so she could see. She wanted it buried for she could see it from the door. So, so she always knew where the spot was, even though there wasn't a headstone or a cross placed on the spot, oh, was no, there? Oh, no, no. Oh, she always knew. See, when she told me first about it before she went down, um, and I suppose it's great for your family that at least you know where the spot is. But the thing that struck me about the other side of, of, of the island is that th- there are no markers, there isn't even a stone in the ground, no. uh, and there are obviously hundreds of, of bodies there. Yeah, I saw the same. Now, I don't know. I never heard... I heard Granny saying there were babies, but I never heard her saying there were sailors, and more than likely there were, because she used to say when sailors would come in along the shore, they were buried for they were come in. Sailors. Mm. Yeah, sailor. And one man had remembered a sailor who was over seven foot tall and he'd obviously washed up on the sand. That's no DNA testing. And, and yet a seven foot sailor should be identifiable in some way. Now, the, the site itself has become something of a solace for the local people. Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. There was obviously a lot of ritual that went with these burials, even though they weren't buried in the consecrated ground. There was still a, a quite a strong ritual attached to them. And even now, um, they've told me that local people, local families, maybe where they've lost a child, will, will go and visit the island. Some One family have actually scattered the ashes of, of one of their children on the island. So it's interesting that it still has that ritualistic place within the society. Um, is it still used at all? It's not, no. Maple and Margaret Boyd, the Boyd family, who are Church of Ireland, uh, interestingly enough, they own the island and people will walk out to it at low tide and they have a, a mass once a year to commemorate the people who are buried there. You mentioned so many Killini all over the country. You found another in Cork, in Iries. In Iries, which is quite close to Castletown Bear in West Cork, Pat. And again, locals in the last year or two, they've gone about trying to get the Killini, or Killinock as they pronounced it down there, uh, recognised on a certain level of access. The one I visited, it's really right in the middle of the village, very close to the Catholic Church. And I met with two men there, Brian O'Sullivan and retired guard Pat O'Neill. Now, Pat grew up beside the Kalinoch and he told me about a scene he witnessed there in the late 1940s. This house here yeah. is the house where I was born. I came up the back here near this stake and I stood here. What age were you? I think I was about eight. I was born in 1941, so you'd be talking about 1949. And I saw four men standing over here. And I was amazed because at eight years of age there were four men, as I thought, dressed in black. What were they doing there? So I always knew as a young lad that that was the Kalinuk. And I went back down into my mum 
and I told her, there's four men standing up on the Kilinuk. And I asked what's going on, and of course, that time, these things were not discussed. So, later in the day, I walked over, and there I saw the little grave. And I knew somebody had been buried there. I knew a child had been buried there because it was short. The grave was short. I saw the black soil uh, mounded over. And I think from that day on, it always stayed in my mind that this child was buried there. I felt all my life, I, I just felt so... Like when you visualise the child that I saw buried there, can you just imagine what that mother went through. And that is actually what upset me and what drove me to do something about it. Because, see, that time it was all home built. There was no hospital, there was no going to hospital because people couldn't afford it. And uh, so the mother of the child that I saw buried was at home in bed. And people were deeply religious that time and... I suppose you could say follow rules and regulations. So we're just into, and I mean, it's an area that's been cleared. You can see there are railings yes, all around yes. it. There are a lot of stones uh, on stone the ground here. Each stone would represent a grave. Each stone here would represent a grave, you know. And you can literally see the church from here. It's not yes. too far. Yes, yes. I mean, there must be dozens of stones there. Unreal, unreal. There must be. And then it goes back a bit there to the post. Uh, there was a lot of children buried here, a lot of them. And I, I think, for me, it's so sad because we talk about saints. These are, the, these are the saints. These are the actual people that you would pray to, not for, because they did nothing wrong. I, I feel very strong about it. And I feel very sad for all the mothers and, and the mental anguish they suffered because of what they went through. Suffered to the day they died, probably. You know, in silence, because there was no sympathy from the male population of that time. No sympathy at all. And these were non-persons as far as society was concerned. Yeah, I mean, not only do records of their lives and of their deaths not exist in official church records, but the actual land itself isn't really registered. I mean, the church owns part of the land adjacent to it. Uh, a private owner owns the land where the Kalinuk is on, but the actual patch of ground that it's on within that land isn't registered. Nobody so owns. It just doesn't Nobody exist, owns. which is really, uh, you know, it's just frightening to think. And uh, people remembered um, children being buried in that graveyard who were up to eight or nine years of age so they had been uh, born they had been baptised but they hadn't received perhaps their first communion and they were deemed not to be eligible for the consecrated ground um, so once a year there's a ceremony there again and it's apparently a very very emotional ceremony lots of people in the town would know they have a relative buried there and that's one Kilinock in that parish Pat. Uh, there's, it's a parish of a thousand people there are five in that whole par- parish so it just shows you the extent of it Now there is an organisation working towards getting some sort of recognition Yeah a little lifetime foundation led by Ron Smith Murphy and they're really looking for the National Monuments map for all of these Kilinock to be registered and have a symbol attached to them and some bit of recognition that they exist and and I think they're doing great uh, work in that area and discussions are ongoing. Even though we will never know the identities of those buried uh, beneath those symbols when they Mm -hmm. come. Uh, Brian O'Connell thank you very much for joining us in studio.